0: Good evening, my friends. I hope it is midnight wherever you are. Let's imagine that it's the witching hour. Why don't you turn out all the lights? My name is Josh Hitchens, and I am your host tonight. Welcome. To going Dark Theater. This is a podcast about finding the humanity behind the horror. And this midnight, I will tell you the tale of the Fiddler's Bridge. My friends, I'm sure you have noticed there hasn't been a new episode of Going Dark Theater for several months, and I wanted to share the reason why. I am writing a book. I am under contract with the History Press, America's largest publisher of books about local history, to write a book I am tentatively calling... The Haunting of Delaware, Ghosts and Legends from the First State. I was born and raised in Sussex County, Delaware, and the opportunity to research and write my own book about the spooky corners of my home state has been extremely exciting and rewarding. Since I have a deadline, work on this book has taken up much of my time, Season two of the Going Dark Theater podcast will continue its examination of unsolved mysteries in time. Thank you to everyone who listens to Going Dark. Without the joyful work of creating this podcast, I probably would not have even thought of publishing a book of my own. The Haunting of Delaware will be published sometime in 2021 and will be written in the same style of storytelling as Going Dark Theater. To learn more about the publisher I am working with, you can visit ArcadiaPublishing.com. On my Patreon, I am posting chapters of the book as I write them. If you'd like to read this book as I work on it, You can go to patreon.com slash joshhitchens and subscribe for as little as $1 per month. To tide you over until the next proper episode of Going Dark Theater, I am going to tell you one of the stories featured in my upcoming book of Delaware, Ghost Tales. I hope you enjoy this one. And I hope to meet you all again at midnight very soon when season two and all its unsolved mysteries continues. An intriguing article appeared in the Wilmington Sunday Star newspaper on October 4, 1953, just in time for Halloween. It was a then-contemporary update on one of Delaware's most enduring and most disturbing ghost stories. The Legend of Fiddler's Bridge The text was written by F.M., and it is accompanied by an illustration depicting the famous ghost that would never be allowed to go to print today. Nonetheless, the article is worth quoting for its evocative writing, as well as being a snapshot of the legend as it stood in the mid-twentieth century. The article's title is, Ghost Fiddler Loses Spirit, with the subtitle of, Legend Doesn't Say So, But the Fiddler of Fiddler's Bridge May Well Have Given Up the Ghost in Disgust. Here is how the article begins. The Ghost With the lowest spirits in Delaware right now, probably is the one who hangs out, or used to hang out, under Fiddler's Bridge down St. George's Way. This ghost once had a lucrative little trade. It operated a sort of spectral jukebox, legend said that if exactly at midnight a passerby dropped a coin over the bridge rail into the stream below, the ghost of an old negro fiddle player who was drowned there long ago would play a medley of sweet music. But that was before the automobile age when the bridge was narrow and lonely and the road passed through a dismal swamp. The road has long since been widened into the DuPont Dual Highway, Route 13, and the bridge, which spans Scott's Run a short distance below the Chesapeake and Delaware Canal at St. George's, has been transformed into a thing of macadam and reinforced concrete. Legend doesn't say what the fiddling ghost thought of these renovations, but the chances are he wasn't pleased. After all, it couldn't have been much fun sitting under that dank concrete and bracing the ectoplasm against the rumble of 10-ton tractor trailers overhead. Even if a motorist did stop and drop in a coin, The ghost probably couldn't have made his eerie music heard above the roar of traffic. No one could blame him if he finally gave up the ghost business in disgust, thus becoming Delaware folklore's first traffic casualty. Nowadays, motorists whiz over the bridge without realizing it is there for it is scarcely more than a large culvert in the highway. But below, Scott's run meanders on as of old, choked with weeds and watercress, still an ideal place for ghostly concerts. The legend of the Phantom Fiddler also appeared in print 15 years earlier in the excellent book Delaware, A Guide to the First State, published in 1938 and compiled by the Federal Writer's Project of the Works Progress Administration. At over 500 pages, This long-out-of-print volume is a priceless treasure trove of Delaware history and folklore that may have been forgotten otherwise. This book says of the Fiddler's Bridge haunting, Fiddler's Bridge was once a narrow crossing where the swamp trees met densely overhead, a dark, and gloomy place. There is a tradition that a demented negro fiddler used to sit on the bridge rail and play doleful tunes. One night he fell in and was drowned. For generations it has been said that if precisely at midnight a silver coin is dropped into the water the Fiddler will play. There are stories of ghostly encounters at Fiddler's Bridge going back as far as the 1890s. In one tale dating from that time period, a wealthy man from Delaware City held a grand party. After his guests had eaten and drank and the hours crept, Towards midnight, he told his guests the chilling legend of the fiddler's ghost. He insisted that those who were brave follow him to the bridge to see if they could make the fiddler play his music. Nearly all the guests took up the challenge, and they followed their host down the dark wooded path to the haunted bridge. It seemed unnaturally quiet as the midnight hour came, and the silence was only broken by the sound of a silver coin being thrown into the dark, murky water. A few moments passed, and the guests began to laugh in relief, but then the silence was broken again by the sound of soft, mournful music drifting on the wind, coming from somewhere close to where they were gathered on the old bridge. Naturally, the guests all fled in terror from the ghostly music, running back through the woods as fast as their feet could carry them. The host laughed loudly all the way home, for he had played a devious trick. He had told one of his black servants to wait under the bridge and play a fiddle when he heard the coin fall into the water. The host had succeeded in frightening his friends out of their minds, and he was extremely pleased with himself. It had all gone perfectly. When the host returned to his house, he went to the servants' quarters to congratulate the fake phantom on a job well done. But then it was the host's turn to be afraid. His servant was sick and had never left the house that night. The ghostly music The host and his friends had heard that Midnight at Fiddler's Bridge was real. So, we know from the stories handed down from the past that there was a ghost haunting Fiddler's Bridge by the end of the 19th century. But how did the black fiddle player become a ghost in the first place? This legendary haunting also illuminates some of the most horrific aspects of Delaware's real history. Delaware was a slave state that stayed with the Union during the Civil War, and its relationship with racism has always been complex and contradictory. The first known black person in what would become the state of Delaware was a man given the name Anthony. He was captured in the West Indies by the captain of a Swedish ship called the Vogel Grip and forcibly taken to New Sweden, an area which would eventually become the city of Wilmington. Anthony arrived on this soil as an enslaved man, but according to historical records, by the 1650s, black Anthony was a free black man going by the name Anthony Swart and working for pay for Governor Johann Prince. The Delaware State Constitution of 1776 ordered that, quote, no person hereafter imported to this state from Africa ought to be held in slavery under any pretense whatever. However, this did not free the black people already enslaved in Delaware or their children who were born into slavery and there were many free black citizens who were kidnapped and sold illegally by their white neighbors. Nineteenth-century men of Delaware fought in both Union armies and Confederate, although Delaware was the only slave state not to have any official Confederate regiments. Because of its proximity to the free state of Pennsylvania, Delaware was a pivotal stop on the Underground Railroad. But there was also a reverse Underground Railroad that sold black people south. The most notorious perpetrator of this atrocity was Patty Cannon, Delaware's first known serial killer, Whose grisly tale will be told in another chapter. In 1790, there were approximately 9,000 enslaved black people living in the state of Delaware. By 1860, when the Civil War began, there were 1,798 enslaved black people. The majority of Delaware's black population were free by this time. When the war ended, all enslaved people in the state were effectively freed from bondage. However, Delaware also initially rejected the 13th, 14th, and 15th constitutional amendments and did not ratify them until 1901. Delaware was also the last state in, the, in America to abolish whipping as a form of capital punishment, finally doing so in 1972. The last public whipping in Delaware had occurred only 20 years earlier in 1952. Between 1900 and 1945 alone, 1,604 prisoners were whipped in Delaware, and it is a matter of historical record that the majority of them were black. All whippings were required by law to be public, usually held on Saturday afternoons and were sometimes attended by hundreds and even thousands of people. Some called the whipping posts a red hannah due to the human blood that would stain the wood as the prisoner had their arms chained around it, hugging red hannah as they received up to 40 unmerciful lashes of the whip. Sometimes the ears of the prisoner would also be nailed to the post before the whipping began, causing even greater physical agony and emotional humiliation as the crowds looked on. The final Delaware whipping post was removed from public display in front of the old Sussex County Courthouse in my hometown of Georgetown, Delaware, on July 1st, 2020. It had been installed at that location as an historic monument in 1993. From this unsettling and important historical background, the ghostly legend of Fiddler's Bridge was born. This tale begins in the early part of the 19th century, before the Civil War, as far as any of the old-timers can tell. Back in those days, there was a farm at Scott's Rum owned by a white man named Osborne. Mr. Osborne had slaves, two of which were man and wife who had been brought to Delaware from Africa. They had a child, a smiling baby boy they named Jacob. From a young age, little Jacob was in love with music. He was always making music with whatever he could find, and when he got older, He made himself a homemade fiddle out of tree branches and a box, and he played that fiddle like it was the most exquisite violin. His mother and father loved to hear him play music at night, and soon people came from all over the county to hear Jacob's masterful fiddling. One morning, Jacob awoke to discover an expensive, real fiddle had been left for him outside the house. He never found out who gave him this great gift, but Jacob repaid it by making heavenly music. The one person who hated the sound of Jacob's music was Mr. Osborne. One night, as Jacob was playing his fiddle, an enraged Mr. Osborne whipped Jacob until he was unconscious and bleeding from the ears in order to silence his music forever. For days after the savage beating, Jacob was delirious, and his mother and father cared for him as best they could. Jacob eventually regained consciousness, but he never spoke a single word again. Instead, he picked up his beloved fiddle and began to play. All Jacob ever did now was play his fiddle, but the music had changed. Before the whipping by Mr. Osborne, the tunes Jacob played had been joyous, but now sadness seemed to vibrate from every note he sounded with his bow. But even in its deep melancholy, Jacob's music was still beautiful. He went away to live in the woods nearby, under the bridge at Scott's Run Mr. Osborne, seeing the grief his violence had caused, did nothing to prevent Jacob from leaving. Jacob never left the bridge, and he never stopped playing his fiddle. His mother and father brought him food and would listen to their son's haunting music. Everyone who lived around the bridge could hear the music and on many moonlit nights people would pause and listen to Jacob play. Sometimes, people passing by would throw a silver coin at Jacob's feet in banks. He would smile, give a friendly nod, and then go back to his fiddle one dark night at midnight the fiddle playing suddenly stopped the following morning jacob's parents went to the bridge to deliver his breakfast they found their son's drowned body Lying face down in the water underneath the bridge, his precious fiddle still clutched tightly in his hands. His parents buried him with it. Had Jacob fallen into the river accidentally, Or was there a more sinister cause for his death? No one ever knew. Not long after Jacob's funeral, several men happened to be walking by the bridge around midnight on their way home they paused at the old bridge, which was now lonely and silent. In remembrance of Jacob, one of the men tossed a silver coin into the water below. And after a few moments, they heard something impossible. Their skin burst out in goosebumps because what they were hearing was music. The beautiful music of Jacob and his fiddle drifting out from the darkness of the night. Ever since then, So the legend goes. Anyone who is brave enough to throw a silver coin in the river at Scott's Run on the stroke of midnight will hear the same unearthly melodies that have echoed around Fiddler's Bridge for centuries. even with the constant flow of 21st century traffic on the highway above. I believe there is still a ghostly reminder of Delaware's past in this tale. I believe in the specter of a man named Jacob whose spirit refuses to be silenced, still playing his supernatural symphony for anyone who dares to listen and learn. Black Lives Matter. (laughs) Going dark theater will return Stay tuned for updates. Thank you all for listening. And as always, I wish you very pleasant dreams. And now, Going Dark.